Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Happy holidays, my friend. Happy holidays. Wow, you brought the vocal. I did. The, those are the vocal stylings of Rob Fultz here on the, WLEE. The silky smooth voice of the Leadership Drip. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. It is a holiday season, though. It is holiday we season. We just passed Thanksgiving. And it's sweater weather. Finally. Sweater weather. Yeah. Do you know what sweater weather is? Are you a Wahlberg? <laughs> no, do you know what sweater weather? No. The SNL skit sweater oh, weather? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's been a minute. I, our, I quit on SNL like in the 90s. Well, I know, but still, our listeners will get it because they understand sweater weather. They understand. They get yeah. it. Who did we have a conversation about, about SNL with? Was it Kirby Ball, Kirby's a boss? No, it was Candace Payne. Remember, she was like, um, she got like a kind of do. She was like a Tommy female uh, Chris Farley. She got the callback for SNL, and then she decided not to do it because God was. She had the callback for Second City, which That's is what in Chicago. That's what but it for, is. With Kirby uh, Kirby Kelly, we talked about our favorite SNL skit. That's right. Yeah, it's been a great season. It's been fun. Yeah. It is the holiday season. We just came out of Thanksgiving. How was Thanksgiving at the Fultz house? Uh, it was great, actually. We had our first full family Thanksgiving since 2017 because Caleb was in the military, so we never got to spend Thanksgiving with him you know, for the last five or six years. So it was nice. It was low-key. We kept it quiet. No turkey. Like None of us are like big turkey fans. Really? No turkey? I made like a four-pound meatloaf. It was amazing. <laughs> Four pound meatloaf. That's that's a lot of meat. It was bro. intense, bro. It was a lot of meat. Yeah, we we have breaking family news on both of our lives that we've not shared with our, right. our listeners. My oldest son and your youngest son both proposed on the same day. On to, the same day, not yeah. to the same girl. No, no, that's no, <laughs> not that family. We're not that Alabama. <laughs> Sorry to our listeners from Alabama or West Virginia. Yeah, West my Virginia. roots, my roots, man. Yeah. That's my roots. No, so that's big family news. When's the date for them? They set a date yet? I believe it's July the eighth. Okay, yeah, we're December thirtieth of next year, twenty twenty three. I got gotcha. a year to stress about it. I'm not stressing. I have a son. Yeah, I got a son too, but it's still right. Like, I mean, so it's I got to like, lose thirty pounds to look right. Well, no, that's a whole different thing. Okay, that's yeah. Okay, fine. Now I got to lose thirty pounds too. Yeah, right. I need to, I need to, I need to look fine for the wedding day. Fine. All right. <laughs> well, it's been a fun season. Um, we just released really at the time of this recording two weeks ago the conversation with our friend Natalie Runyon. Yeah. Um, incredible conversation. I, I thought it was interesting that. Um, we got here in the fall of 98. She had planned to come to leave right. in the fall of 98. And life and circumstances kind of redirected that. Yeah. I thought that was super ironic. We didn't know that. Go- well, we, we I knew that going into the conversation when we started making connections with her on social media and setting up the recording. But um, I was like, it was just one of those like really odd God things. That, like, yeah. We could have all been on campus at the same time. Right. And, I mean, she obviously knows a lot of people here. I mean, she has a lot of deep connections, not only to Lee, but even to denominationally to the Church of God, which is based here in Cleveland, which is the denominational uh, denomination supporting the school, obviously. But but so we had a lot of good roots conversations. It yeah. was, you know, we come from a lot of the same tribe, same background, mm-hmm. same people. So it was nice. 
Yeah, it was good. And but I think it brought up an interesting conversation and a couple of things that on the show we've not really spent a lot of time on. I don't know if we discussed it at all. Um, but but we've been on this, this the other side of the microphone, basically the ones asking questions, right? Not telling a lot of our story, which which it, the goal of the podcast is to talk to great leaders. And you and I are, are students of leadership, so we want to be asking the questions, not just spilling our, our guts out. I love how Jeff just humble bragged on our great leadership. I caught that. I don't know if you, anybody else caught it, but I caught it. It's not intentional. We're great leaders. That's that's the uh, bottom line. That's what we, Jeff just we, said. We are, we are listening to great leaders to improve ourselves always <laughs> is what we're doing. Uh, the great leadership is, is, you know, the jury's out on that one for me. Yeah, that's, so yeah, 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 yeah. We'll let the world decide about that. Um, but we've not really shared parts of our stories right. that I think a lot of people may resonate with. And, and we've talked a lot about like fall of 98, you and I came here, uh, non-traditional students. We met in old Testament survey, right? You got an B plus plus plus. I got an A. So let's just put that out there. But your B plus should have been an A. Well, I mean, I believe in Jesus, so whatever. Some people. It was an 89.7? Something like that. It was ridiculous. And he refused to give you an A. And I, I should call him out because he's still a professor here and we're actually, you know, we no, like each other. No, not. Who is it? No, no, no. The old, oh, no, you're talking about Old Testament survey. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is not here. I'm not even sure I don't he's, think he's alive. I think he may be with the Lord now. Maybe. Probably. He was old when we had him. No, I mean, maybe he might have made it. He might not have. <laughs> But <laughs> because he gave me an 89 point like seven or eight yeah. and would not. I mean, I legitimately went to him and said, hey, is there anything I can do to bump this grade up to an A? Like anything, rewrite a paper, do an extra assignment, mm -hmm. anything. He said, no. I yeah. was like, what? I think he was dismissed next semester. And he I was remember. actually. He, yeah. I don't think he taught the next semester. I don't not. think he ever taught again. No. Maybe you got him fired. You should probably repent of that. That's how much power, <laughs> other, power. other people have. Other people have, yeah. And <laughs> not me. That's not, that's not a great leadership trait we're handing down there. No, it's not. Um, no, we're just being crazy right now. Yeah, I that's mean, but, all. but we came here in 98, and we spent three years. We both graduated then in right. May of 2001 because mm -hmm. we were transfer students. We came in with some credits. We kind of both took a lot of heavy class loads to get done in 2001. Yeah. Um. You left for Prague Republic yep. the next Czech Republic the next day. Yeah, pretty much. And spent how long there? We spent from 2001 to 2003 both building and living uh, in the Czech Republic. Uh, we came back to the states uh, in the fall of 2003. So it was a good two two and a half years that we were working on that project. Yeah. And so in 2001 2003, we we talk about the context of our relationship. Um, there was no social media. No, we had we had basically you could write an old school letter, right? Or a postcard. You could email somebody, right? Or you could have a really expensive phone call. Yes. So you and I from '01 to '03 basically lost touch. Yeah, I pretty think there much. Was, I think there's yeah, maybe I mean, was, a couple emails. Maybe, maybe a couple emails. I, I don't think we really got fully reconnected until the Facebook MySpace era. Oh, MySpace. What a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. was what? That was like 03, 04, uh, somewhere in five, maybe? like five or six or seven. I think yeah. Facebook really probably 07. Yeah, probably. I think I've been a member of Facebook since 2007. I think I've been a member since 2008. Yeah. 
So, and then I remember, I think when we reconnected, you were then in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I was in Northern Illinois. Right. So I was youth pastoring. Um, to tell my part of the story of that, I came to Lee married, uh, not to Rachel, to a, a different woman, um, and was navigating ministry and those things. Um, and basically in that season was walking yeah. through a really tough, difficult time of, of life and marriage and ministry. Um, you were in Virginia. I remember reaching out to you and your season wasn't much better. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, I think, I think for the both of us, um, you know, and, and again, when you come, when you come to Lee as a non-traditional suit, at least from our perspective at that time, we didn't quite feel like the, the newbie 18 year old, like yeah. I'd been in the Marine Corps and like you'd done other things. And, and so we had a, we had a sort of an accelerated expectation of, what I think would happen after we graduated in terms of ministry and life. And I think in some ways it did happen, but I think for the both of us, not in the same, certainly not in the same capacity we expected it to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for the, for the both of us with our stories, um, uh, it wasn't long after we graduated until we got a real good taste of, of how hard ministry was and how difficult life can be. Yeah. In that context. So with the bumps and bruises of of life, and, and you had some in Prague, you had some in Virginia, mm-hmm. and in the context of our conversation with Natalie, like, was there ever a moment that you just were like, I'm done and I'm walking away? Oh, yeah. In fact, I did. I did for about four to five years. I mean, so, um, you know... Long story short, without without getting to the, all the gory details, I mean, both were just real hard ministry context, um, just really really difficult context. So, uh, relational leadership relationships dynamics, um, literally, I mean, probably the craziest thing was what was going on in Virginia. So, I don't want to get I could take up the whole show just on on understanding what happened there, but. I took over a small church that at one point was running 500, 600 plus. Mm-hmm. The leader of the church at that time had ran it down to about 30 people. I had 28 people my first Sunday. Wow. And the building was completely dilapidated. Um, and I can't even begin to explain all of the things that were wrong physically with the structure. I mean, there were just numerous, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, things that were that were challenging to just to just get started and then four months in i had a surprise fire inspection by eight fire marshals from prince william county in virginia who came in and essentially condemned the building in a day um and and there's this whole story behind that too which i just don't have time to get into but yeah but they you know essentially they were trying to gain our property to build a triple a baseball stadium uh, on our property. So we had 10 acres mm. in Northern Virginia, right outside of DC worth millions of dollars. We were the next door neighbor. Our property lines actually touched our church property connected to Prince William County's property, okay. the County seat. And so there was, there's, there's that whole dynamic. Anyway, long story short between those seasons, you know, th- there came a point where I said, yeah, I'm done. And I, I re- tried to convince God, like... I remember we talked a couple times. Again, Facebook was like, hey, right. I'm having tacos for dinner. It wasn't what it is now. And I remember we talked a couple times on the phone, and you told me about the building process. And then you told me that you went were going into, like, 
justice, like like yeah. social justice, yeah. and like in the was, like <laughs> was like you were I, politics. Was a regent politics politics and like, man, and it yeah. was such a shift, and I was like, what happened here? Yeah, I know it was crazy. Like, and you, and it's when we're when we're operating out of a, out of a space of hurt or a space of disillusionment or when things haven't gone that our way we're really really good at trying to help god construct what's best oh, for absolutely. our lives right yeah. especially when it comes to ministry stuff and so i knew i had the call to ministry i knew that that was the plan and the purpose but i really tried to tailor for god what i wanted that to look like and what mm-hmm. i wanted it to look like at least in my mind was this romantic idea of being able to engage in international policy development. So I did go to region. I did uh, go to law school, but I didn't finish law school. But my whole my whole goal in that was to actually help those who didn't have a voice on the mission field, right? Which sounds awesome. Sounds oh, amazing. Yeah. So but, somebody go do that. So yes, yeah, which sounds great, do right? That, but yeah. Right. So but the but the problem was it wasn't what God was calling me to do. And so, man, I pushed like went to Capitol Hill, spoke on Capitol Hill. Like we did all kinds of stuff. I met vice presidents and senators and congressmen and was pushing so hard. And then one day Dane and I were sitting in church and, and I mean, it's just the Holy so, spirit slow down for me. Yeah. So, so sitting in church, so you've closed the season of pastoring the church in Virginia. Yes, we were just attending a church, just attending a church, just in Virginia. local members, attending a church, trying to do this, law just school trying to do pathway. the law school thing, the, the international public policy thing. And then you're sitting in a Sunday service, sitting in a Sunday service. And the Holy spirit just spoke to me so clearly. And he just, he just wrecked my world. He said, you're not doing what I called you to do. Oof. And I knew it. I literally went home that day and told Dana, I was like, this is this is what the Lord said in church today. And she's like, she just kind of had like a dumb moment. She's like, and, yeah. And when God does that, and this yeah. is experience, he doesn't have to unpack the details because the, the simple statement is enough for us to know what he's talking about. Absolutely. And I knew exactly what yeah. he was talking about. So I literally, that was on a Sunday. I was working as a Department of Defense contractor, right? So what's that mean? Well, I was hiring specialized pilots to fly secret missions in in the Middle East. These are things, friends, you did not know about. Right? Bob. Yeah. So so I was working four hours away at a um for for the Department of Defense as a contractor, and I went that next day after that church service and turned in my resignation. Just blindly. Just blindly. Not knowing, like Abraham no called clue. out of Ur, the Chaldeans. Nothing, nothing. You're just had nothing. Go where God sends you. And and for the next eight months after that, it was a journey. It was a healing journey. Yeah. It wasn't just a calling journey. It was really a healing journey. And mm-hmm. and you know, part of that story, with well, the coolest part of that whole story, is at the end of those eight months, where I had I had just so saturated myself in the healing process with the Lord and and with Dana and with other people. At the end of those eight months, there came a testing point okay. of trust. You know, do you really want to follow me? Do you really want to do what I've called you to do? If the answer is yes, this is what it's going to require. And I didn't want to do that test. So before we get there, tell me about the eight months. You quit the Department of Defense yeah. job. You you are returning to what God's called you to do. Yes, and what it was it, it was no man's land. Like, so so yeah, tell us so so yeah. and again I've got my own stories and seasons, we'll get to that in a little bit, but tell us about the in between times because yeah. sometimes we think, 
oh, we've made the step of obedience. The door is right there. But right. the door wasn't right the there. The door wasn't right so there. So in the, in the wilderness season, yeah. the desert season, what did that look like? What did that feel like for you? Uh, it was it was atrocious. I mean, it, it was it was barren. It was difficult. It was hard. It was relearning and retooling everything I knew about my faith mm. and about how God inter, inter, interacted with me yeah. in my faith. And it was it was a long process. It was a necessary process. There was one point for two months, two solid months. When I would go to pray, the only thing that I could pray was Matthew six thirty three, and the Holy Spirit would constrain me to stop right there. Mm. I'm going to seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be taken care of. Literally for two months, that's almost all I could pray. Mm. And it's just it was just an incredible, it was looking back, obviously, I'm like, oh man, look at the work that God did in those eight months. Right. Right? But But I think, you know, the, the in-between space was not me trying to apply for jobs. The in-between space, the hard part was not doing anything until he said so. And the miraculous piece of that story is we never skipped a beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked odd jobs. I did construction on the side. I, you know, whatever to make it happen. But yeah, if you're a new listener to our show, like, let me explain my friend Rob to you. Patience is not really his virtue. It's, hey. I love hey. you. I love you. And you are you are zealous and you are, when God says go, you go. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of, like, if God says go, we we load up the car and go. Yeah, it's true. Um, so for God to put you on pause for eight months is really a work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, was, it, was, it was a work. But at the end of those eight months, I got to that testing point and... At some point, I decided, okay, if I'm really going to trust him, I've got to trust him with this piece too. Yeah, and that was the that was the reconciliation piece I needed with another with another brother, mm. right? Uh, it was a part of that hurt, that church hurt, yeah. that ministry hurt, that leadership hurt. And I picked up the phone. We ended up talking for like two hours. We reconciled. Like it was a beautiful moment. Uh, everything you kind of hope it would be. Now I know it always doesn't work out like that, but. But it was the obedience of of making that call and doing that, that as soon as I hung up the phone, I knew that season was over. I mean, yeah. as clear as as clear as the Holy Spirit spoke to me on that Sunday at church eight months before, mm-hmm. as clear as that was, that's how clear I was in the moment that, OK, he's I've yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready, like I'm ready to take the next step. And literally, literally, kid you not, the next day, the next morning, Mm -hmm. I get a call from a man I'd never met Mm. saying, saying to me, he said, um, he said, you've been on my heart for two weeks, Yeah, but I didn't feel released and call you until this morning. And I want to know, would you ever consider pastoring a church? And then from there it was just, yeah, it was incredible. So you'd been out of ministry for what four years? Four years, yeah, four years. And you had eight, nine months of God reconciling, yeah. healing you, yeah, and then a breaking point, and and then the door swings open. Yep. I, yeah. I I'm gonna say y'all because we had a full circle conversation about it. Um, this podcast is open doors. We never thought would happen. We had Miss Lisa Bevere on the show, and she 
spends an hour and a half with us and then yells like very Sicilian downstairs at John to come up. <laughs> hey, John. Yeah, very Sicilian, like mom type thing. Yeah. And um, and the book Bait of Satan was critical in that season for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was key. It was pivotal. And, it was... and John comes up and he encourages us. And it was like, it was probably four months later we had John on the show. But like in that moment, you were able to share with John how critical that book was. Yeah in the whole season, that wilderness season of your life. Right. Um, it's not something we released. It was recorded on the backside of an episode stored somewhere else. But it was like, for me, it was like watching this beautiful moment of knowing that story that you told me and seeing God bring it full circle and this closing of it almost when you got to tell John how important that was. I never in my life thought I would actually get to tell him how important it was. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he's probably heard it before, but right. But, you know, that doesn't matter. I think I think whether or not he's heard it before, he needed to hear it from me. And, and you I, need to be able to say I it. I needed to be able to say it. And yeah. so to have that moment with John especially um, was, 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 was surreal. Not, and, and again, it's not because it was just it was it was the significance of the book at the at the time that I had it. Yeah. And, and, and what it meant for me at the time I read it in that mm-hmm. season. And of course, the book, The Bait of Satan Deals with Offense and learning how to deal with hurt and all of those kinds of things. But, but it was pivotal. Yeah. It's just a, a great moment. And so you, you take the church, where was the church? You were in Virginia and you take the church gets offered. Where was that? You moved to, that was in Washington DC, ironically. Okay. Yeah. I've been to, D, been working in DC in the Alexandria area for Regent, you know, mm-hmm. um, after I graduated, um, there and, um, was traveling back and forth from, from DC to Virginia beach and, um, yeah, ironically, the church was in Northern Virginia. That's amazing. Yeah. And you've been, since then, you, you've done some other work in the Saddleback that we've referenced several times. Right, and got right. Got another master's degree, another doctorate, and your doctorate, and all those right. other things. But so, so what has been, in light of the staying, yeah, that season, what's been, what's kept you doing what God's called you to do? I think... Um, for me, it's it's the it's the decision. One is the decision to not allow uh, circumstances or people to dictate my calling. Mm. You you know when you when you've gone through seasons like we have, right? I yeah. mean, when the calling is so clear and it's so evident and it's so defined, you have to bank on that. And I've said this on the show and I say it all the time around campus. Obedience will always be my problem. Results are always going to be his problem. Mm-hmm. That's only that's the only thing he asks. Yeah. Right. And so I think learning through that season, I don't I never want to be in a place again where he has to take. Now, that doesn't mean it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it very well may. But but that was such a powerful season in my life. It's not that I don't want to go through the pain in the process again. It's, it's just, um, I know, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm choosing to keep myself stayed. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. even when it sucks. Yeah. And sometimes it does. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, life is not fun some days. Ministry is not fun. Life oh, is not fun. Yeah, yeah. Church you, is not fun. It's like you parlay. People are not fun. <laughs> you parlay right? people, <laughs> ministry, and life together. Yeah, it's it's, it's very difficult some days. Yeah. Um, and it's been hard. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, when, when we really sort of reconnected, um, 
was four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, when Lee I moved Day, back. Five to, years ago. Yeah, when I came back to Tennessee. Yeah, Lee Day five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a it was like a throwback scene. I had brought my oldest son to Lee Day. I was living here in Cleveland. You had brought Ethan. Ethan to Lee Day. He was looking at Lee. We're in the cafeteria. And it was like circa 1998 all over again because I hear your voice yelling pits across the cafeteria. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Rob Fultz's voice. Um, and, and it was like two days later we sat down and, and really sort of had these conversations for right. the first time. Yeah. Um, at that moment, I had um, recently married Rachel. Right. Um, walked through a really messy divorce. Rachel and I, just to, to be transparent with our listeners, Rachel and I both – are were married previously our our first spouses were incredibly unfaithful like like incredibly unfaithful right so we had biblical divorces um and through circumstances we, we had met at Lee through circumstances we had sort of remet and connected um and god just opened the door for us to be together but we come from some tribes church of god worked in i worked in the church of god of prophecy where divorce and remarriage is like taboo mm-hmm. like like not only do you not get to be a ministry in one of those tribes you don't get to be a member right and i remember like having to come to a realization and a place in my own faith walk of going if i make this decision to remarry which i felt like god was in it and i still feel like god's in it and i love my wife and love my family will i ever get to do ministry again yeah Will will not that will I do ministry? Will will somebody accept me into ministry? Right. I remember. Um, I went through a lot of counseling, y'all. Right. Like, well, like, I mean, and that's I, I, we, well, we both have, yeah. and I think I think it's important to say that that's okay. Yeah. Right. And I think um, you know for for both well, for both of us, but I mean, obviously, our stories are slightly different. But I think in both cases, not slightly different. I think they're they're different stories. Yeah. But I think in both cases, and and you can you can speak to this. I think. Both of us, when we graduated Lee, with all of these expectations and hopes and dreams about what we were going to do to change the world, right? Mm -hmm. I think we both saw ministry as almost like a covering, meaning we thought because we were doing ministry, then the problems would be less or they would be more conquerable, right? Yeah. But I think for both of us... That was not the case. Like, it got intense quick. Yeah, I think it's the opposite. Right. Like, I think what I've learned now at this side of it, 20, it'd be 25 years next fall that we met. Yes, we we understand. It's a long time. (laughs) 24 years ago. um, Yeah, I thought that. I completely thought that. Now, sitting on this side of it, I go, the more I'm obedient to God, the more the enemy comes after me. Yeah. And he comes after things that are are valuable and important to me. Right. Um, Calling, family, those type things. Um, and, and walk through some things that like, as, as a 21 year old studying ministry didn't expect, like, yeah, didn't expect to walk through a really messy divorce. Didn't expect to have a wife that I was, was supposedly in ministry with me. Right. Continuously be unfaithful. Right. Like that, that wasn't on the script when I showed up. Right. And there wasn't a class at the university that says, this is how you deal with that. Exactly. Like, here's how you teach youth ministry. Here's how you teach Sunday school. Like, because you're we still in Sunday school back then. Here's how you, like, study the Bible. But nobody was saying, here's how you deal with the, the drama and the trauma of your own life when you're in ministry. Yeah. And I think what became really easy for me was to try to hide it. 
And you had a you had a, a pretty lengthy season too where um not only did you ever think ministry would be an opportunity, but you didn't even really think you ever wanted to go back into ministry again. Um Yes and no. So I think I was saying that aloud. Yeah. Like you. Like yeah. I was saying that that aloud, but um so to Dr. Lamb, William Lamb, who's a friend right. of ours, my mentor when I was here at Lee, said this. He said, um, if you can go do anything else, go do it. When you realize mm. the ministry is the only thing you want to do that fulfills your life, you know you're called. And I pursued a lot of other things. Yeah. Like, I was like, how can I make a lot of money? How Bro, can I? <laughs> you s- <laughs> you I was- sold me beach body workout, man. You <laughs> Don't s- tell me out like that, s- man. I was I was a whole lot skinnier back then. Too. Well, like, well, we both were. No. I did that. What is that? Total T beach know. body workout uh, thing? Yeah. Bro, my knees were destroyed. Like, after the second session, like, sell I got. You know, Dana and the boys still make fun of me about that because I had the whole <laughs> I had the whole poster set up, you know, like the. You don't do anything halfway. The Sean T stuff, you know. Yeah, you don't do anything. I, I did like two sessions and I was like, my knees are done. Like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> looking for, and, and I think this is, this is the, I knew my gifts. Yeah. Like I knew I was getting, I know like, and this is not a, a humble brag. It's, I know God's gifted me to communicate. I know God has gifted me to help people. I knew God has gifted me to, to be an encourager. And I was looking for avenues outside of calling to do that in where I could provide money and, yeah. and, and scratch the itch of the things God's gifted me to do without calling it ministry. And like, I would wrap it up and be like, Hey, no, this is my ministry to people. Right. Right. And all along I'm going, I just want to preach. Yeah. I just want to go back to speaking and preaching the gospel. I want to, I want to get up on a Sunday and, and do that. And it was like, I was doing everything to not do it. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it was part of it was just because of the the unhealthy place I was in and, and life was in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think I think in a lot of ways, I, I did I quit? Yeah, publicly. Sure. Um. Did the did the calling chase me down? Absolutely. So for you, I mean, obviously, I mean, your situation. I mean, it, it, it's it was. It was hard. I mean, very difficult. Yeah. I mean, under the situation, but. So a lot of people, a lot of people would not only walk out of the ministry, they would literally walk out of the faith. Like for you, what was that staying power? Because I know, and I mean this, this is going to sound very, very critical. And I I hate that it's going to sound that way, but I know you weren't surrounded by a ton of church leaders during that season of your life trying to pour into you and support you yeah. and pull you through. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there was, there was about two critical friends. Right. So, I mean, so you had every reason in the world, not only to just walk away from the church and walk away from ministry, but even to walk away from the faith. So what was that staying power for you? Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would love to say my faith was strong during the whole season. Um, the Lord is, the Lord was really faithful in, in like, his timing and his love for me. Mm. Like when, when I say that, that God prepared me to walk through hell, God prepared me to walk through hell. Um, you, bait of Satan was the book you read. Right. Oddly enough, the book I read that sort of shifted everything was not a Christian book. It was daring greatly by Brene Brown. Yeah. This deals with shame deals with, um, how you see yourself. 
I started to realize I had some shame things I had to walk through. It it caused me to really press into counseling. Yeah. Um, it caused me really to press into the Lord and be like, okay, God, my identity's been wrapped up in the wrong things. Um, and so I'm on this trajectory of of growing in God like I never had and my life falling apart all at the same time. Mm. I, Rob, I can't tell you the the seeming irony of what God was doing. Like my whole world is collapsing. Like so the we had been in Lexington, Kentucky for seven years at a church plant with a really good friend of ours. Right. And they are, they're closing up the church. Closing up the church and moving away. So my one of my best friends is moving away. My so my one avenue of ministry right. was being removed. I'm walking through a really disastrous divorce at this exact same time. Um, but my faith is like exploding. And my my healthiness emotionally and spiritually is growing. And it was probably the only way God could keep me. Yeah. Like to and it was the only way like I could I could get through that time. My counselor looked at me one day and he goes, um, he goes, most people who walk through what you walk through barely have walking around since you came right. through pretty well. Yeah. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt and it wasn't traumatic. But I really trust believe that that God prepared me to walk through one of the most difficult seasons of life. Now in that same season was days when I call my counselor and and I'm like exploding and growing and God's speaking and God's just messing me up over and over and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I'll never have a place to use this again. Yeah. Like nobody's gonna want me because I'm broken and I'm a mess. Right. And that's how I felt about it. And then again, through counseling, I've learned that that thoughts create emotions and emotions create, you know, are, are the way that comes out of us. And, uh, Rick, who's my counselor was like, and, and he's very soft spoken, but very direct. He's like, now, Jeff, is that true? Like, what evidence do you have of that, that nobody's going to want, want you to speak again? Right. And I was like, nobody, Rick. And I'm crying and snotting and all the things. And, um, <laughs> like nobody said that I just know it. And like, like, like a 12 year old. Um, and he's like, well, if it's, if you don't have any evidence that it's true, why, why do you think that? And I was like, well, I don't know, but that's how I feel about it. And I was just like, you know, because I felt like God was restoring something in me that wasn't going to have place. Yeah. Um. And and I didn't know where it was going to fit. So I get divorced and walk through that process and walk through some healing. And then after a season, reconnect with Rachel and get married. And I still didn't know where it was going to fit. Right. Like there are days we were doing a podcast here. And I felt like a fraud. Like we're talking leadership and talking about leading yes. organizations. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not leading anything. I'm going to grad school currently, and we got a Bible study in our house. That's right. And that was it. And I was like, I'm such a fraud on this show. A- a- imposter syndrome is a real thing. Man. Oh, I I'm was telling. killing the imposter. Oh, syndrome. that's two of both of us are. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I get it. And and shout out to the Assemblies of God and to the the, the good people here in the District of Tennessee. Um, when Rachel and I couldn't get past that we need to plant a church like god just kept dealing with us and like right and again we're divorced and remarried we're blended family we didn't know where that would fit we didn't know who would accept us um and we get on a zoom call with some folks in here in the district and we tell them our story we tell them our passion and they go cool i think we can work with that <laughs> i was like okay like we're gonna send you to launch training well, here's yeah. what here's what we need and there's some due diligence on their side to walk us through the process of like 
validating the divorce and and making sure it was biblical and the, all those things. And I appreciate what they did. It was it was very like proper the diligence they did. Right. Um, but it was like somebody sees us as who we are, and not just as the story of what happened. Right. And it was a game changer for me, man. So I think I think for all of us, I mean, nobody nobody doesn't have a past. Yeah. Now every everybody has a hurt. Everybody has uh, um, a story. Everyone has an experience that um, that may sound similar, may sound nothing like mine and Jeff's. Right. I mean, that's that's a given. But the point is, I think I keep coming back to this reality in life that. God wastes nothing. Oh no! Yeah, right? yeah, you're the, right on. The, the staying power is not in the solutions; it's in His ability to redeem literally everything about your life. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a super messy divorce, or whether it was infidelity, not on your part, but right. on the part of your spouse, like whether it's super messy and that's chaotic, or whether it's you know the leadership hurt and the brokenness I experienced in in that context, like right? Wh- whatever the the things are, God is capable not only capable he is willing and interested to say hey i know that hurts let me use it right right that's that for me and i think when we think about the conversation with um oh gosh natalie natalie thank you just totally i wanted to say her last name but i couldn't get her first name out anyway when we had the conversation with natalie when i think about staying power why do people stay people who stay understand that no matter what they go through and no matter how bad it hurts there is the potential there's the possibility there's the hope and that's really what it is it's the hope that god sees something we don't and he's Mm -hmm. able to take our messiness take our mistakes take our pain take our hurts and actually create and craft something beautiful out of it that becomes a redemptive narrative of, of our life not just a narrative yeah right because you could you could easily bro be pounding that drum of woe is me oh i did for a while life you know life isn't fair wife cheated on me like Mm. everybody's you know is terrible not rachel rachel's great right not rachel not rachel yeah no rachel's amazing she's very she's awesome love you baby love you i I shouldn't say it's weird but no (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like like you could you could easily be still pounding that drum Mm mm-hmm Right, but the staying power is is even as your life was falling apart, there was something that was still being constructed. Yeah, the spirit of God was still at work, and I think it was man, it was so close to me in that season. Right, the receptiveness in the midst of our pain and our hurt. I, I think right? the humility yeah, it takes. I think when you're broken, you're really open to hear from God. Yeah, like I think when. I think to our friends who are listening, if you're in a season where you're just crushed and life is crushing you, you need to lean in really close because God's whispering, probably whispering really loud. Yeah. I remember being a youth pastor and I preached a message to my students. Um, I called the series Scarred. I thought I was being super trendy and cool. And the, the hook line was like, um, uh, wounds tell the story of our hurting, but scars tell the story of our healing. And I was like, you know, I thought I was just helping all these students out. And, um, again, the God not wasting anything is I'm walking through this season and of my own hurt, my own wounding, God reminded me of that message. Mm. And he's like, he's like, you're wounded, but one day you'll be scarred. And we have such a negative connotation of scars. Like, yeah. like people who are scarred, we think of them as jaded or whatever else. But 
But what scars really tell us is a place where a wound that once was gets healed. Yeah. I mean, it leaves a mark. I mean, it says you were hurt. Um, but I can kind of proudly walk around scarred right now. Like God yeah. has healed something in my life. I think we have such a, and this is off on a tangent a little bit. In fact, Thanks. I just had a meeting before this podcast. Like in the spring, we're doing an apologetic series on suffering slash evil, right? Um, like having a healthy theology and a healthy apologetic about what suffering and evil actually mean mm-hmm. and are, right? That's a whole different conversation. But the point is, I think we have such a, a misguided understanding of why suffering exists and what suffering can do in our lives. Right. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that God made you to go, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is in that redemptive, in that redemptive process, whatever those things are, again, God takes it. He makes something beautiful out of it. But I was thinking about this just the other day as in my own personal prayer time, when, when we often spend the message that we're more than conquerors, Mm-hmm. Right. We love that. We're more than conquerors right. because it fits our American MO. Yeah. Right. Becoming more than conquerors doesn't mean we win. Doesn't mean that every single thing goes the way we want. Yeah. Becoming a conqueror means that no matter what we walk through on the backside of that, we're still in a relational connection with the master. Mm. Yeah. We still have a hope in a future. Yeah. Right. And I think I think if we could help other leaders and other ministers and other young adults understand that, yeah, you know what? You're just going to walk through some stuff. Yeah. Right. But to become more than a conqueror doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer or have trials. It just simply means that no matter where you are, he's there with you. Yeah. And because he's there with you, because Jesus is in the room, because he's in your space. Mm hmm. You can make it. Yeah. You can stay. I, I, it's it's the like good news, bad news situation. Like, um, we'll start with the bad news. You're going to go through something. Yeah. The good news is you can get through it with Jesus, with Christ. Right. Like, I, I don't know how I get through some of the things I got through, some of the seasons I walked through without the Lord. Like, it, it, like honestly, like, dude, I don't know where I would be without God. Bro, I'm at the point where I don't know how I tie my own shoes, but but by the <laughs> grace of God, I'm serious. Like, there are days I wake up and I'm like, "How in the world?" Right. But by His grace, yeah. And it can like like life can get cloudy real quick, and you yeah. can be like, like, "Oh, it's it's you know this or that." And then I have to reflect and go like, "I mean, the Lord brought me through some things that like by His grace I got through." Right. Like by his grace, I got through. Um, and so what it, what it does, and I have to remind myself, this is like, so no matter what comes my way now, by his grace, I'll probably get through. Yeah. Like one way or another, by his grace, I'm going to get through it. Right. Um, because his grace is sufficient for me. And I think, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's the story. Yeah. Like when we, our witness is not about the articulation of our faith. I think our our best witness is in the actualization of our faith. Mm-hmm. Because when people see us and they see the scars and yeah. they, they hear the stories, the actualization of our faith is what makes them stop and say, you know what? Maybe me too. Or, that's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Hope. If you're listening today 
and, and Rob and I just chose to be transparent with you guys because we're typically the ones asking questions and trying to be students. And when we do the show, we try to ask questions that we think our listeners want to hear when I right. ask. Like if, if one of our listeners in the room, what questions would they ask? That's how we script a lot of things. Um, today we were like, we want to share our story because what we know is your, our stories are not unique. Like no. our stories of hurt and hardship are not unique. And if we can like breathe life into one listener who's walking through something and doesn't think God can use them ever again, we're here to say God can still use you. Yeah. In a mighty way. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it the may calling, not be, it the calling not be, is not vacant. Right. And it may not be in the context of vocational ministry. Like, I had to right. wrestle that out. You and I both had to wrestle that we out. did. Like, is it going to be vocational ministry? And and for me, I couldn't get past that that's what it was, that it was church work, and that that was God, what God has called me to. Um, But had he not, I still could do ministry. Yes. Um, we have friends, like, that graduated with us. 2000 2001 that whole season who who are no longer in the church right like study the same things we studied walked the same graduation track we walked went and served in a church some of them have walked out of ministry and done other things some of them completely walked out of faith yeah like we have we have you know i hate to say the body count but there's a body count of people who turn the tassel with us, who are no longer doing this. And that I think that'll continue to happen as long as we're unwilling to contend with the harsh realities of life and ministry and calling, but at the same time when we're unwilling to accept the incredible, immeasurable, indescribable uh, reality of His grace in the midst of it. Yeah. The two have to go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you're going to run into a wall. It's going to hurt. But man, God is so capable of picking you back up and helping you navigate through it and around it. I mean, so, and yeah, and it's, that's just an unfortunate, the body count. Yeah, it's a great way to describe it. It's an unfortunate reality that we have to contend with. But I, I believe today, if some of those, if some of those people that we know, we're, we're to call up and say, hey, Rob, hey, Jeff, like, man, you know, I walked away from ministry 25 years ago or 20 years ago after I graduated. Do you think there's still a, pl- a place for me in the kingdom? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, 100%. Like, let's go. Let's figure it out. Like, let's yeah. walk through whatever processes we need to. And yeah. let's, you know, absolutely. Because, because the calling never, never fades. Like, it, it never dies. It never subsides. We, we suffocate it. We, we, we dumb it down, we water it, we try to do everything we can to dissipate it, but it's there. It's yeah, there. like, and it's, it's, it's really loud in the try, times you try to quiet it. Like, it can I get think it's, really loud. Yeah, yeah, I think it's <laughs> loudest when, like, I'm trying to push it down and be like, no, I'm going to go. Why are you yelling, the, Jesus? Like, like <laughs> I'm going to take the gifts you gave me, and I'm going to do them this way, and I'm going to use this skill set yeah. you put in me for this good and whatever else. And we, we try to, again, like you did with, with the, the other things. Oh, yeah. I, I tried to convince God, like, hey, bro, listen. I'm, oh, yeah. Like, you know, this is this is the right pathway for me. God, look, you need Christian politicians. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, and he does. But and still. I was like, I was like, Christians need to be healthy and fit. That's right. Like, that was like yeah. my whole thing. Like, yeah. you could love Jesus and be healthy. Like, And I tried, but my knees gave out. <laughs> 
like I need to try again, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I need to try some more myself. But I, but I think I mean I think this conversation is really about like, and and I'm gonna speak directly to our friends who listen, like, like one, I'm sorry if you're hurting. Yeah, for sure. Gosh, man, like Rob and I have walked through some things, and and like if you wanna if you wanna hit us in the DMs or whatever and and whatever you want to say like it's safe space because we've we have seen some things and walked through some things and like there is nothing you're gonna say that's ever gonna like that we've not heard or walk through so we won't cast judgment from one two like i genuinely believe god still has something for you yeah and genuinely believe we may not we may not have all of the answers but we got very few answers very few answers, maybe, but man, we're so willing to kind of be in the conversation, be in the conversation with you to help you try to figure that out for sure. Um, my my hope is as they listen, and we're, we'll wrap this up. Um, is that that if if they're walking through something, they can take some hope in the fact that that maybe the story is not not done yet. Yeah, like my hope is they hear our stories and they go. Yeah, I'm I'm in a season of hell, or I've walked through a season of hell. I walked through a season of hurt, um, but that doesn't mean God's done with me yet, right? Because He isn't. No, He's in the redemption is His business, man. He's still good at it. Yeah. So he's, whether He's redeeming your soul, <laughs> yeah. or redeeming your story, it's still what He's good at. Yeah, He's good at it. And so my hope is that maybe for our friends who who are walking around wounded, that that at some point God's healing will take place and they'll have a scar story to share and, and tell the world about. Amen. Um, let's pray for them. God, I thank you for our friends who listen on the podcast. I know this has been a different episode, but but God, I pray that maybe it's used of you in some um, incredible way that our friends who are listening that maybe have walked through something, uh, a season of hurt, season of hardship, a season where um, they didn't get to choose. It just was hard and it was hurtful. That you would redeem it and you would use it and you would restore them God, to the place that you've called them to, that you restore callings um, and you've restored lives and and stories um, that can be used for your kingdom and your good. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as we always like to say here at The Drip, Man, you've got a seat at the table. You've got a seat at the table. We'll see you, bud. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.